essays fifteen and sixteen of the romance of the commonplace by gillette burgess this librivox recording is in the public domain essay fifteen old friends and new old friends we say are best when some sudden disillusionment shakes our faith in a new comrade so indeed they are yet i count many newly made ties as stronger than those of my youth keep close and hold my hand i'm afraid for an old friend is coming celestine once whispered to me while our love was young how well i understood her panic she was swung by the conflicting emotions of loyalty and oppression her old friend had rights but her new friend had privileges with me a stranger she was frankly herself with him a familiar she must be what he expected of her how shall we arrange the order of precedence for the late and early comers into our hearts how shall we adjudicate their conflicting claims that is the problem to be answered by every one who lives widely and who would not have writ upon his gravestone he made more friends than he could keep were one content to pass from flower to flower it would be easy enough but i would gather a full fragrant and harmonious bouquet for my delight to one sensitively loyal each new friend must at first sight seem to come as a robber to steal a fragment of his heart from its rightful owner we say make many acquaintances but few friends we swear undying devotion and we promise to write every week but if we practice this reserve this fastidious partiality and this exclusive attention how shall we grow and increase in worth and how shall the brotherhood of man be brought about we may think that each friend has his own place and is unique satisfying some especial part of our nature each to be kept separate in his niche the saint to whom we turn for sympathy in those matters wherein we have vowed him our confidences we may satisfy our consciences by giving to each the same number of candles and by a religious celebration of each saint's day keeping the calendar of our devotions independent and exclusive but this method does not make for growth it is our duty to help knit society together to modify extremes to transmit and transform affection surely there is love enough for all and the more we give the more we shall have to give to our friends whether they be old or new friendship is however a matter of caste with just as many as share our point of view or can understand it who laugh at the things we laugh at who are tempted by our temptations and sin our sins can we have a divine fellowship through these to others outside of our ken through friend to friend's friend the tie passes that shall bind the whole world together at last our set of friends is a solar system a cluster of planets that revolve about us moves with the same trend through space and time each member of the fraternity has its own aphelion and perihelion occultation and transit whether they are visible or invisible we must be sure that each in due season will return to the same relative position and exert the same attraction answering the law of gravity that in true friendship keeps them in their orbits about us but the circles interlace and in that is the possibility of keeping the unity of our constellation of friends were the same comrades to accompany us unceasingly we could not develop 
there must be an intricate complication of actions and reactions and we must be affected by each in turn and in combination what is a parting from a friend but a departure in quest of new experience each fresh meeting therefore should be the sharing of the fruits that both have gathered that each may profit by the contribution if you tell me of a book you have read i am amused and profited by the knowledge you bring me shall i not be grateful to you for what you bring from an interesting person if every new friend contributes to our development and enriches us by his personality not only are we the better for it ourselves but more worth while to our friends it is not you as you are whom i love best but you as you shall be when in due time you have come to your perfect stature wherefore i shall not begrudge the loan of you to those who have set you on the way though we may hold one friend paramount over all others and admit him to every phase of intimacy there are minor confidences that are often most possible with an entire stranger were we to meet a man of the sixteenth century what could we not tell such an impersonal questioner what would we care for the little mortifications that come between even the best of friends we could confess faults and embarrassments without shame we could share every hope and doubt without fear for he would regard us without bias or prejudice he could scourge us with no whip of conventional morality and he would be able to judge any action of itself hampered by no code or creed we had a game once my sister and i in which we agreed to look at each other suddenly newly as if we had never met before frequently we were able to catch a novel phase of character and our subconscious self freed from the servitude of custom bounded in a new emotion could we in this way at times regard our friends how much we might learn we fall into the habit of seeing what we look for and we compel old friends to live up to the preconception why not look at them occasionally as strangers to be studied and learned there are two variable quantities in the equation of friendship yourself and myself nor is our relation itself fixed it is alive and changing from hour to hour there is no such thing as an unalterable friendship for both parties to the affair are moving at different speeds first one and then the other ahead giving a hand to be helped on and reaching back to assist might we not indeed reverse the previous experiment and regard any stranger as a blood relative assuming a fraternity of interest we need only to be honest and kind by these two processes we may keep old friends and make new ones and our conscience shall acquit us of disloyalty when one enlarges one's establishment one does not decrease either the wages or the duties of the servants before employed the new members of the household have new functions more is given and more is received but it is not so much that one must give more as that one should give wisely and economically we must be generous in quality rather than in quantity for though there is love enough to go around for all there is not time enough for most of us we must clasp hands give the message and pass on trusting to meet again on the journey and come to the same inn at nightfall essay sixteen a defence of slang 
could shakespeare come to chicago and listen curiously to the man in the street he would find himself more at home than in london in the mouths of messenger boys and clerks he would find the english language used with all the freedom of unexpected metaphor and the plastic suggestive diction that was the privilege of the elizabethan dramatists he would say no doubt that he had found a nation of poets there was hardly any such thing as slang in his day for no graphic trope was too virile or too uncommon for acceptance if its meaning were patent his own heroes and heroines too for rosalind's talk was as forcible in figures of speech as any modern americans often spoke what corresponds to the slang of to-day the word indeed needs precise definition before we condemn all unconventional talk with opprobrium slang has been called poetry in the rough and it is not all coarse or vulgar there is a prosaic as well as a poetic license the man in the street calls a charming girl for instance a daisy surely this is not inelegant and such a reference will be understood a century hence without a footnote slang to prove adjuvant to our speech which is growing more and more rigid and conventional should be terse it should make for force and clarity without any sacrifice of beauty still manner should befit matter the american dude is perhaps no more unpleasant a word than the emasculated fop it describes the english bounder is too useful an appellation to do without in london and were that meretricious creature of pretense and fancy waistcoat more common in the united states the term would be welcome to american slang with enthusiasm new york alas has already produced cads but no yankee school would ever tolerate a fag the mere substitution of a single synonymous term however is not characteristic of american slang your chicago messenger boy coins metaphorical phrases with the facility of a primitive savage a figure of speech once started and come into popular acceptance changes from day to day by paraphrase and so long as a trace of the original significance is apparent the personal variation is comprehensible not only to the masses but generally to those whose purism eschews the use of the common talk thus to give the glassy eye became the colloquial equivalent of receiving a cool reception the man on the street inventive and jocose does not stop at this at his caprice it becomes giving the frozen face or even the marble heart in the same way one may hear a garrulous person spoken of as talking to beat the band an obvious metaphor or later to beat the cars the only parallel to this in england is the rhyming slang of the costers and the thieves patter there a railway guard may be facetiously termed a christmas card and then abbreviated to card alone thence to permutations not easily traced but english slang is for the most part confined to the masses and is an incomprehensible jargon to all else save those who make an especial study of the subject one may sit behind a bus driver from the bank to fulham and understand hardly a sentence of his colloquies and jibes at the passing fraternity but though the language of the trolley conductor of chicago is as racy and spirited it needs less translation the american will it is true be enigmatic at times you must put two and two together 
you must reduce his trope to its lowest terms but common sense will simplify it it is not an empirical arbitrary wit depending upon a music-hall song for its origin i was riding on a broadway car one day when a semi-intoxicated individual got on and muttered unintelligibly put me off at brooklyn street please i turned to the conductor and asked what did he want the official smiled oh, you can search me he said in denial of any possession of apprehension slang in america then is expression on trial if it fits a hitherto unfurnished want it achieves a certain acceptance but it is a frothy compound and the bubbles break when the necessity of the hour is past so that much of it is evanescent some of the older inventions remain such as bunco and lynch and chestnut but whole phrases lose their snap like uncorked champagne though they give their stimulant at the proper timely moment like the eggs of the codfish one survives and matures while a million perish the observed of all observers ophelia's delicate slang observed was yesterday in new york the main guy a term whose appositeness would be easily understood in london where the fall of the gunpowder plot is still celebrated later in chicago according to george ade a modern authority it became the main squeeze and another permutation rendered the phrase useless it is this facility of change that makes most slang spoil in crossing the atlantic on the other side english slang is of so esoteric an origin and reference that no yankee can translate or adopt it it is drop forged and rigid an empiric use of words to express humour what englishman indeed could trace the derivation of balmy on the crumpet as meaning what the american would term dotty or bughouse unless he was actually present at the music hall where it was first invented we have at least three native languages to learn the colloquial the literary prose and the separate vocabulary of poetry in america slang makes a fourth and it has come to be that we feel it as incongruous to use slang on the printed page as it is to use said he or she replied with a smile in conversation and except for a few poets such words as haply welkin or beauteous in prose yet stevenson himself the purist who avoids foreign words uses scotch which nearly approaches slang for there is little difference between words of an unwritten dialect and slang such as scrannel and widdershins while wilkie collins writes white wanyan kittle gar and collop in with english sentences as doubtless many questionable words of to-day will be honoured in the future slang the illegitimate sister of poetry makes with her a common cause against the utilitarian economy of prose both stand for lavish luxuriance in trope and involution for floriation and adornment of thought it is their boast to make two words grow where but one grew before both garb themselves in metaphor and the only complaint of the captious can be that whereas poetry follows the accepted style slang dresses her thought to suit herself in fantastic and bizarre caprices that her whims are unstable and too often in bad taste but this odium given to slang by superficial minds is undeserved 
in other days before the language was crystallized into the verbiage and idiom of the doctrinaire prose too was untrammelled a cursory glance at the elizabethan poets discloses a kinship with the rebellious fancies of our modern common colloquial talk for gargarism scarab quadling puckfest scroyle foist pumpion trindletail comrogue pig's bones and ding-dong we may now read chump scab chaw yap fake bloke pal bad actor and so on she's a delicate dab chick says ben jonson she had all the component parts of a peach says george ade it will be seen that slang has two characteristics humor and force brevity is not always the soul of wit for to-day we find amusement in the euphemisms that in the sixteenth century were taken in all seriousness the circumlocutions will drop speedily out of use but the more apt and adequate neologisms tend to improve literary style for every hundred times slang attributes a new meaning to an old word it creates once or twice a new word for an old meaning many hybrids will grow some flower and a few seed so it is with slang there is a gentleman's slang as thackeray said and there is the impossible kind but of the bulk of the american product the worst to be said of it usually is that it is homely and extravagant none the less is it a picturesque element that spices the language with enthusiasm it is antiseptic and prevents the decay of virility literary style is but an individual glorified slang it is not impossible for the artist it went to its extreme in the abandon of ben jonson webster and beaumont and fletcher but as your cockney would say it does take a bit of doin nowadays end of essay sixteen